pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Draft Rugby, the game they play in heaven. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Draft Rugby Show, the show they play in heaven. I'm your host, Harry, and I'm joined tonight with Nelson on 138 Podcaps. Nelson, welcome, and uh, you care to say a few kind words for me on my 150th cap? Yeah, look, you're, you're very experienced. You're one of those players, you know, on a footy field that no one really is excited by, but you're there regularly, and that's that's a pretty good thing, so congrats on that. I'll take it. Thank you. That's the kindest thing you've ever said to me, to be honest. Um, no problem, Carter. We're gonna we're gonna push straight in. Obviously, reviewing round one and previewing round two of Super Rugby for dessert. We'll uh, we'll maybe air some grievances. We'll we'll see how we go. But before we get into the entree tonight, uh, I guess the big talking point this week was all the new laws. And uh, I wanted to get your thoughts, Nels. What did you think the new laws and the referees in that regard as well? How do you think they refereed the game, and how did the week go? Look, I, I think all the refs gave it a fair crack. There was some slight. Uh, maybe not different interpretations, but it was four slightly different in, in different games. We saw um, Biceps, what's his name, uh, at Rebels. What's his name? <laughs> You're looking down, looking it up. Um, the South African-born guy that came over at the Rebels halfback, he got pinged for, for taking too long. Um, you mean Ryan Larens? That's the one. Yeah, you knew it. Top of your head. Well done. Um, yeah, so, yeah, he, he got pinged. He's the only one that I remember getting pinged just purely for, for delaying play there. It was good to see him get pinged. It's, it was a bit of a line in the sand. Um, in terms of some scrums and lineouts, there was a few things that were a little bit um, confusing around that, where I think it was um, the delay at the back, and then they ended up doing a scrum, and then the scrum took more time. Whereas they could just go, yeah, you only get a quick tap or something like that. I, I don't think for time wasting, let's go to a scrum is the the best solution. Um, they should be outlawed, no scrums after a time wasting penalty. That's my take. Uh, that was from an, another scrum, you mean? Yeah, any of those sort of uh, penalties or, or delays there for taking too long, you shouldn't be able to resor- resort back into a scrum because you're going, that scrum took too long, let's have another scrum. It should just be you get a quick play, quick tap, or yeah, whatever. I don't know. I don't want to rule the scrum out of the game. I just think it means you've got to get get moving. If they do it twice, it becomes a long arm penalty. So if they decide to slow down again, there's a full arm. I, I actually don't mind that. But I know I know what you're saying. It's probably, you know, a tweak in the laws that they could look at, but obviously not one of the current new laws. Personally, I was just really, really impressed with the refereeing across the entire competition. I love yeah. the intent from all the different referees to try and make sure the game really was moving the entire time. And in particular, I love when they... Uh, ruled out um was it Fakatava's try and you it had you crying in the oh. corner. Look uh that, that was burning <laughs> on my fantasy so it doesn't matter I still beat you five games in a row now. But um look that was that the interesting thing was they've said he's propelled himself forward uh because he's got himself up on his knees. I can see that there there was a you know an argument there to be had. Um I thought it was a little bit rough. Um, but yes, I, I can see where they came from there, and that's definitely interpretation. But all in all, I think it was a really good refing round, and I, I really liked the speed. Maybe not necessarily as much extra ball in play, but it was just less downtime, less wasted. You know, time looking at um, you know replays of, of penalties, things like that as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's just an excellent round from the referees, to be honest. I thought it was fantastic to watch and loved all the new innovations. But on that, Nels, let's go to our entree, which is, of course, the uh, Super Rugby Round 1 review. Kicking off Round 11 was the Crusaders going down 10 to the Chiefs 31. What did you have out of this one? Yeah, something we definitely all predicted. Um, No, not at all, really. But, yeah, look, the the interesting thing out of this one was uh, the Chiefs went down 10-0, uh, early in that sort of first half and came back with 31 un- unanswered points. Um, a tenny out of 10, that was a brilliant name in our uh, fantasy competition, a tenny out of 10, but he clearly wasn't feeling 10 out of 10 and he was pulled pre-game, which was quite upsetting for them. We did get to see Almalo uh, get a run on, which was a bit of a surprise for all of us. Um, he did have some good form in the preseason, but he didn't really find a way to inject himself into this game. And, and Coombs Fabling came in on the other wing as well. Um, yeah, and uh, in injuries in the game, the big one for the Crusaders, I thought, which made a gigantic difference, was just Cullen Grace going off with that suspected, I think, fractured collarbone, they think. Um, he was replaced by Christian Leo Willie, obviously a player that we enjoyed watching at the Highlanders so much last year. He was... Okay with ball in hand, I would think, but I, I, the big takeaway from me was he quite clearly is, is not as comfortable as the rest of the side with their structures. He threw a pass behind to nobody. I think he missed a couple of cleans, gave a few penalties away. I thought that he he did well in the lineout. They used him a few times, but all in all, I thought it was really, really telling the fact that he just didn't have a very good relationship with the team. Yeah, his work rate was brilliant. He made 19 tackles and 12 runs. But as you said, it was really that cohesion with the players around him that was lacking. Maybe he gets more time there in coming weeks. There's a few names we'll throw out in the in the previews. But, um, yeah, he just needs more time with that squad, I'd say. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. The other one, Harry, you've got uh, Nankable down for president. Uh, I didn't I didn't know I wrote that, actually, but I'll take it. I thought he was exceptional and is every week. So he's obviously with Quintapire and now Anton Leonard-Brown also out for the next kind of four to six weeks, or he says three to four weeks. I mean, Nankervell will have to be president if the Chiefs back one's going to continue firing like it is. But, yeah, he was fantastic, and I thought a really strong sh- showing from uh, Shooter McGavin as well. was fantastic both at fullback and at wing. And uh, personal bias, I really thought Joshuaana added a lot to the team when he came in at 10 as well. I really like how he tacked the line and how he set up the uh, the outside man and worked very well in tandem with uh, DMAC in the in the front line and the back line as well. I am extremely impressed with Shooter Stevenson. I, I, and even in the preseason, he was looking very, very good at fullback. Um, we all love DMAC and would love to see him at the back there, but he's done very, very well. The the battle out of this one was DMAC and Richie. What a battle. Uh, DMAC got one up in this one, so he, he'll be a, a happy, happy man. But, yeah, the, the Chiefs, I think, really evolved and got stronger and stronger throughout the game. They really adapted really well to the fast pace of the game and, and the new laws that we were seeing but yeah let's roll into the first Aussie derby and that was the Waratahs versus the Brumbies Harry you were there how did this one go down uh very very good game to be out I've got to say 25,000 strong at the uh new SFS and uh you and I obviously bought some pretty schmick tickets and waste, you know I was gonna say wasted but no spent invested all our money in having uh, a blind over a Waratahs year and man what an atmosphere it was Fantastic to be right in on halfway in and around the wider training squad pre-post game. We had uh, Tane Edmed come in and give a post-match interview privately to the the fans as well in our area as well. So fantastic event. Enjoyed it a lot and can't wait to do it for every single home game. 
The uh, the highlight for me was obviously Max Jorgensen just shrugging off, was it Alan Alatoa and uh, Rob Valentini to uh, go through and score his debut try. I thought he had a blinder and obviously scored a second one as well. And uh, on the other end, I think Corey Tall was probably arguably even more electric on his own debut, just so quick. First of all, but every time he touched the ball, he did something brilliant and probably didn't have quite the same error rate that uh, young Jorgensen did. He also scored two tries and I would think probably man of the match as well. Yeah, really exciting to see these young uh, wings coming onto the scene for a show. It wasn't long ago we were really struggling to find, you know, someone to step up other than Porombetti. Uh, on the wing, so it's good to see these guys come through. The big news out of this was definitely Angus Bell uh, coming off injured, hurt his same toe uh, that he did. You know, was it June or something last year? I, I think it was. So um, that's going to be you know four months at least out of the game. I'd I'd say, uh, meaning you know he'd be pushing for mid-season tests or where where are we at? Sorry, we don't even... I think, I think he's, he'll probably miss all Super Rugby, let's be honest. I don't think I'll waste him for that. You know, there's some doom and gloom about the Rugby World Cup for him, but I think he'll be fine for that. But obviously we want him at his best. He's such a powerful weapon for Australia and it's uh, pretty devastating for the Tars. And to be honest, it's just going to be interesting to see how the Tars get back from this one because the Brumbies definitely showed them up. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a, a rough outing there for the Tars. They look a little bit clueless at times. We'll talk a little bit later about what we think they can improve. What was this next match that we saw, Harry? This was a cracker. Moana Pacifica, 34. Fergin Andrua was 36. And just what a game. I think it's exactly what we kind of hoped it would be. I've got to yeah. say that uh, first half, I thought Moana Pacifica had the Andrua's number. They were fantastic. Um, Tava Tavanaya, absolute freak. He's still got that fa- favourite kind of style that you have for any kind of fantasy footy player where he runs sideways and just throws players off. Just little palm, little palm, little palm. So good to watch. And, uh, and, I, I just think he gives nightmares of every single defense. But there were so many players in the uh, in both sides really that were exceptional. I was really really impressed by Ravatam Mada equally on the right ring for the Fijian and Drua as well. Um, and look, I think uh, Moana got out to a nineteen five early start, and then the Fijian and Drua managed to uh, claw it back. And it's uh, it was only a late try with a brand new step from Taniela Rakuro, the debutant, where he kind of sti- slipped. Dove rolled and popped back up as the defender went flying past of him, so so he could uh, dive over and score a try. And what a way to end the game! And to be honest, I think if it went for two minutes more, it could have gone Moana's way as well. It was just neck and neck the entire time. Uh, absolute cracking match to watch. Uh, another name I'll, I'll mention: he was on my fantasy side. Was Marcy uh, coming across from sevens went into the NRL and they didn't utilize him at all. But he was a really really exciting player. He had seven tackle busts. He had three offloads. Scored a couple tries. Uh, he was a, a real promising player for them in the centres. Can cover wing as well uh, it, when Vota comes back. So th- they are stacked in the wings. They've got lots of lots of competition there. Yeah, outrageous talent and quite a different player to Vota as well. So pretty cool to have that point of difference. And the only other one I wanted to mention was Teddy Teller. I, I was surprised. I had high hopes for him this year. I thought he was really poor. Um, I think he kicked the first ball of the match out to start with, and he made a hell of a lot of mistakes. So tough night out for him, I guess. Hopefully it uh, it comes good. I've got Caleb Munts there, who's also pretty capable, but uh, he definitely had a night to forget. Yeah, very error-ridden. The The Highlanders 20 versus the Blues 60. Now I can say that is the most points the Highlanders have conceded in the 26 years of Super Rugby. Nelson, what did Billy Harmon have to say about that in his post-match 
press conference. Mate, uh, he he did set came out saying that the defense was pretty top notch. That's that's, that's a quote. Word, <laughs> that's word for word. I mean, it's been doing the rounds a bit on Twitter because it just it makes no sense. How do you let in sixty points and have top notch defense? Geez, that means the Blues are good and they're going to score three hundred points if the defense isn't that good because. That is that is just upsetting to hear from him. I, I'm half expecting them to come out tomorrow and say that he's got a concussion and that he's not actually available to play next week because there's no way he remembers that game if that's what he was thinking. Absolute horrendous call for him. I don't know if he's just trying to, I don't know, pump up his boys' tires a little bit, but Jesus Christ, Christ, completely delusional. And what a tough day out for Dermody in his uh, first first game as head coach. It's a pretty, uh, pretty long road from there. I want to kind of call out a couple of injuries, first of all. Marino Michele-Tu'u was off after five minutes, I think with a rib injury. Uh, just one of those ones, you pop a rib or fracture a rib, they're just so body sore. I suspect he'll be gone for three or four weeks, maybe five or six, an absolute worst, worst case. Akira Iwani injured his knee as well. He's in significant doubt for next week, but we haven't got any more details yet. And uh, and then the other one I wanted to mention was obviously Alex Hodgman uh, was away ill or, or missed the game through illness. Offar Tungafase playing back on the loose head side, ma- ma- uh, matching up with Lao Lalo. What do you think about that? Look, I, I actually thought the, the front row had a pretty quiet outing. The, the scrum wasn't bad, but they just didn't really offer anything around the paddock. And I, I thought Eklund was a little bit a little bit quiet there as well. But, yeah, there, was, there wasn't much go forward from the props. Um, I mean, they didn't really need it because they were just scoring tries out wide, giving the ball to, to lay out. But, yeah, they, they were relatively solid in set piece, which is, I suppose, what you expect from such experienced front rowers. And, mate, you, you, can, uh, you can go into the man of the match. Oh, geez, the man of the... I mean, it's potentially the man of the year. It's very early, but that that one trial, that one match is phenomenal. He uh, to layer. He had thirteen tackle busts. Two hundred. Oh, we, we're going this deep, are we? All right. So fantasy man of the week, one hundred and thirty-one points. Eh? Two hundred run meters. Yeah, that is outrageous. ridiculous. I've never seen that. Four line breaks, two assists, two tries, seven from seven tackles. It is just absolutely the give it to Talaya show, uh, Clark. Had a try, but I mean, geez, he he was really, you know, he he really didn't stand out when you got Talaya doing that. So I don't know if you need to get Clark involved, but you just give the ball more to Talaya. That's oh, it, the way. It was arguably the most dominant performance we've ever seen from a wing, and and there's been some bloody good ones. It was that good. So I honestly, I think without Talaya, this game could have been a hell of a lot closer. The Blues blew them away early. The Highlanders fought back to, I think it was 31-20 at halftime. They kind of made it a bit more respectable before they just kind of let the ball drop in the second half and the Blues blew them away. But, yeah, tough night for the the, uh, Highlanders and uh, hopefully their fans show up again for the next home game. Tip for them is try and poach Talaya and then you might have won that match, so... Next year, they would have won it by a landslide, to be honest. Yeah, get him on the, the, the next one was up in Queen. Uh, no, it wasn't in it was in Queensland. <laughs> the Red 13 went down 47 to the Hurricanes. I, w- I remember watching the first 20 or 30 minutes of this game and thinking, Jesus, the Reds had talked in the preseason about how they wanted to get off their line. They wanted to be really physical and D, make their two-man tackles. And they did that so bloody well to start the match. They shut down everything from the Hurricanes. Hunter Paisami, I thought in particular, was making big hit after big hit, which is the okay. frame of mind. When he's in that frame of mind, that's when he's in wall of his contention. So that was yep. fantastic to see. But I thought, mind you, the Hurricanes counted 
beautifully with a short kicking game. I thought that Aiden Morgan, Geordie Barrett in particular, did that very, very well to take the pressure off and the tide started to turn. Yeah, look, uh, it, it was a bit of an upsetting one for the the Reds. The the Crusaders, you know, didn't necessarily have a settled side. No, the Crusaders. The, I just thought uh, Barrett, there's Barrett's in every team. The Hurricanes uh, didn't have a settled side as they had, you know, a couple of years ago. They've had some changes with Morby at the the back. As you said, Morgan at 10, Barrett at 12. They brought in Proctor at 13, something that we weren't super happy about, but he did well there. And they just seemed to... You know, they, they gelled and they they outsmarted that Reds defensive line after figuring out that, you know, they were coming hard and fast. Um, but Tom Liner, for me, for the, the Reds, he didn't get a lot of chance to, to attack the line and do too much, but he looked quite composed, really, really solid off the boot. Um, he's an exciting one for the future, but I just don't think he had, you know, the guys around him and the the support to actually be able to push, push his name into the, the top of the week. Yeah, and look, after 32 minutes, it was 13 all, and that's when the Reds got their first yellow card. They had back-to-back yellow cards. In that 20-minute period, they considered 24 unanswered points, and from there, they just kind of lost it. Like, it was it was the – you don't expect the Reds to just completely turn it in, but it looked like they realised it was hopeless and they kind of threw in the towel, which was really, really disappointing to see, particularly when the Hurricanes got their own yellow card and managed to yeah. score two tries more with only 14 men on the field. It, it seemed like the Reds couldn't deal with the heat or the fitness level, the pace of the game, as well as the Canes here as well, I think. You know, the as the game went on, the the Canes seemed to be, you know, a, a little bit fresher and more more energy in the legs. Yep. Yeah, completely agree with that. And uh, Jordi Bataille, a special mention to him as well. I thought he was exceptional at 15. The final match of the weekend was the Force taking on the Rebels. This is the game everyone wanted to watch for the weekend. Force taking this 34 to 27. It actually went, you know, back and forth throughout. This was, it was, you know, as cliche as it is, it was a game of two halves. Um, the Rebels came out and and dominated the first half uh, 24 to 10 before, as I said, going down 27 to 34. I think it really Hardwick encapsulates exactly what it was for the Rebels, like that first half, he was a true shining light for them. We went, geez, he's playing well. He's at number eight, but he was being inspirational. He stole three, four, five balls in that first half and looked amazing, but came out in that second half and, and seemed to be nullified or, or have nothing left in the tank, and the force really stepped it up. That was that was an outrageous change, how much the game turned there. I don't know how many turnovers he got, but it was up there with the most I can remember seeing. It could have been four, which players are likely to get in a season. He did it in 40 minutes. And then he came out in the second half. The Western Fours obviously had a focus to make sure that they really owned their own rough ball, and they did it exceptionally well. He didn't get another look in. Yeah, he's a player that's shown so much hope. But, you know, to, to be able to do that for 80 minutes is, is pretty tough. Um, so I don't know, they, they found a way to, to nullify it, but yeah, the Rebels coach, Kevin Foote, uh, was, you know, I think really left uh, upset about that, uh, tackle count and the missed tackle count, a whopping 35 compared to the forces 13. You cannot let 35 tackles go unmade against the force. Imagine you're doing that against the top Kiwi sides. 
And you know, the, the Rebels did say in the offseason when he was uh, interviewed that they have spent a lot more time on their defence this year. So that's going to be incredibly disappointing considering that's what they were doing. And I, I don't mean to talk down to the Western Force fans, but the Force do not have the most lethal attack out there, particularly with Mata Ele ruled out and Falafanga, for that matter, in the warm-up to the game or in the, during the lead-in to the game. But um, it, it's it's not a good sign for the future for the uh, for the Melbourne Rebels. And I've just got to make a shout-out as well. I thought Bryce Hegarty, particularly in that second half, really steered the team around incredibly well. Hamish Stewart deputised very well outside of him. But uh, Hamish Stewart, the man the, – sorry, Hegarty, the man of the night for me, just brought them back into the game and showed his class. Also, Carter Gordon, what a mullet. And uh, what an intercept. That was some flowing locks. That was beautiful to see. Yeah, it was beautiful, wasn't it? The fantasy man of the week, mate. You've, you've already talked about it, Mark Talaya. Uh, in our t- in our competition, 131 points. We won't go through his stats again, but notable mentions to Shooter Stevenson with 81, to Vita Akinaveri with 72 tri- uh, points, two tries. That second try in particular was outstanding. Easily the best game I've seen him play. Hoskins to two two 71 points. I really wanted him to play badly, so I could say that he lost his power when he cut his hair off, but he didn't. He was exceptional. And uh, your man, Iosefo Masi, and uh, also Alex Nangavel, 67 points each. How good. The uh, super sub of the round was Asafa Amua coming on, getting 40 minutes, you know, coming on out in the second half after Coles went into the sheds and stayed where he belongs because Amua was killing it and he got 53 points in the, the 40 minutes. Yeah, he was bloody exceptional. I can't believe he doesn't play 70 minutes every week, to be honest. But Jeez. I mean, the Hurricanes just have this problem with, uh, moving on, sadly, I think in this, in this regard. But look, Captain Mud, Kalani Thomas, minus five points. Obviously, didn't get a lot of time. Teddy Teller managed to get minus four points despite playing a lot of minutes. So I think that speaks to how he played. And Duplessis Karifi didn't get the start and, uh, you know, true to his form, within 30-odd seconds of him on the field, yellow-carded, see you later, mate. It was a repeat infringement, but <laughs> it couldn't have happened to a better bloke. The guy, he, he looks like a yellow card. That's just what he is. He's just a yellow card. He wears yellow, you know. If he shifts across to the Crusaders, he's getting more reds. So stay where you are, boy. He's had a, he's had, he's, he did have a bit of a tough run there, if I'm being honest. But uh, yeah. either way, mate, he's got to get his discipline right. We've always joked about the fact he's the most penalised player in the competition. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's push. Let's get to the main course, what we're here to actually talk about. Round two, the first game is another absolute belter. On a Friday night, it's going to be Crusaders versus the Highlanders. I don't know if you want to be the team first in the Crusaders after they got hammered by bonus point by the Chiefs, but here we are. The Highlanders are going to go back to back and see if they can't beat that 60-point uh, drubbing that they let through in defense. you got Cullen Grace's collarbone injury, which obviously means he's highly unlikely to play. you got Jonah Recchi, who's was ruled out pre-game. He's going to be out for four to six weeks with a stress fracture of his foot. And obviously, Marino, Mikel, the fact that he couldn't play on, I'd say he's very, very unlikely to play, as I said, at least kind of three or four weeks, I would think, for him. And on the returns, you've got Sammy Whitelock, missed game one with concussion. They will need his leadership, I would think. Yeah, look, as you touched on the Highlanders, you don't want to be bouncing against an angry Crusader side. Um I'd be horrified if I were them. Uh, if, it doesn't matter what the odds are. I'd be throwing all your money that you own that the Crusaders are going to beat the line. Crusaders, the one thing they need to to bring in, I think, is they need to add some punch into their back line. Do they go good Hugh back into 
12, uh, Havili back into 12 with Goodhue. We'll put Fang Yanuku into the centres um, and shift Enor to the bench. I don't think Enor is in the form he was when he first broke onto the scene. At uh, the scene, um, and Will Jordan, Harry, how how far off is he? He's he's still a, a few weeks off. I mean, I can only hope that he's going to be back this week, but obviously he's dealing with his migraine issue, so I don't think there's been any real clarity about the fact that he uh, he could be back or not. So I don't think that's actually been said, but I, I agree. I just think the issue with them at the moment is, number one in the front, no Leo Willie. Uh, Leo Willie not really having maybe the same um impact that the the established back row does and then on top of that i think also just jack goodhue and Braden enor have both had knee injuries in the last couple of years neither have the pace or maybe the uh the ability to break through the line that they have in the past so they do need to find that from somewhere uh severis i expect to go hunting for the ball a hell of a lot more and the two changes i would put is uh is there's no will jordan of course i'd put settle down milani nanai hashtag get nanai on straight on to fall back, David Havili 12, Goodhue 13. That's the no-brainer for me. And I actually would put Havili, uh, other Havili, uh, Sione Havili in the back row at six, yeah. Blackadder to eight, and I'd probably leave Christian Leo Willie on the bench as he's just getting used to the side. Yeah, I think that's fair. The other question is, could you shift someone like Barrett to six, and then you've got um, Whitelock coming into the locks as well, give you a bit more height, um, in, in the line-out. Not that their line-out was bad on the weekend, but it can shore up the line-out and the scrum a little bit. And then even bringing someone like Havili into the the back row as well. If you, you could shift back out that to number eight, you could put Havili at number eight. But they do need that little bit more punch as well. We said it in the backs, but, yeah, in that, that back row I think is important. Yeah. Um, they also – I think they just need to find that way to adapt – to, to this game plan, uh, you know, the, the speed of this game. They're, they're a really good structured side. They normally love unstructured play like any Kiwi side does, but for some reason the, the speed of the game didn't work in their advantage last week. Um, Highlanders, notoriously a team that you, you think would do good with unstructured sort of fast play, but, um, yeah, Crusaders, uh, they've, they've got a, a match here really to insert themselves back into, you know, the, the name on everyone's lips uh, by smashing these Highlanders here. Jeez, it's gone. It hasn't taken long for us to write off the Highlanders, but look, for the Highlanders, I think I think there's a couple of things here. First of all, I thought Thomas Umunga-Jensen had absolutely no impact last week, and that's from a man that we were absolutely expecting to get them over the game line time and time and time again. I could see they did try and use him off set piece to try and set the play up, and he was at least getting some go forward beating the ad line, but he wasn't breaking tackles. He wasn't really creating much, so they obviously need to give him a little bit more space to work. Yeah, he didn't look very confident. Um, I don't know what it was. He he did take it in tight, but at other times he didn't really seem to back himself as much either um, and insert himself into the game. I'm not sure the result last week is what he needs to to get himself you know, back into gear. We're not convinced with Josh Timo. Josh Timo did do well ball in hand last week, but Scott Gregory in the centres, he offers a lot for them as a connection to the players out wide, as a solid runner in tight. Um, he offers a lot around the pack. So if we Scott, uh, shift Scott Gregory into the centres, you can bring Garn and Bashup onto fullback. Um, there's just a few changes there that I think could be really positive for them. It also gives you the ability to shift among a Jensen. He can play 12, 13. Um, you know, does he does he play off someone like Scott Gregory sitting into to 12, which could help insert him into the game? 
Um, the, uh, one concern about that is if we put Connor Garden Bashup at 15, his defense was woeful on the weekend. He made two from six. Now, that's probably not what you need against the Crusaders. Yeah, look, I, I don't know why we would shift Connor Garden Bashup to fullback, though. We were saying if we bring Scott, Scott oh, sorry, Scott Gary was playing wing, wasn't he? No, Scott Gary didn't play at all. You're thinking about Sam Gilbert, who played at fullback. So, yeah, I would I wouldn't worry too much about that. I think they'll probably leave Gilbert at fullback. Um, although it does hurt me to see that he takes all the kicks off Mitch Hunt, who was meant to be the Ice Man with his goal kicking about two years ago, and now apparently isn't even their first choice. But I won't dwell on that because that's a personal issue on my fantasy yes. team. Um, look, who, who do you think will replace Marino Michele Tu? Is it going to be Sean Withy? James Lanches, Hugh Renton, or the new man, Nicora Broughton? Look, there's there's a lot, you know, that they could do. There's a lot of names that you've just thrown up. I'm a fan of Lanches, and I, I think he'd be not a bad person to bring in. He's quite a mature, experienced player, very good in the breakdown. I, I think he could slow that ball down for, you know, quick clearance for the Crusaders as well. So he's probably the man I'd be bringing in. Particularly after the how the last week went out, I think that's that's the right choice for sure and put with you back on the bench. And uh, obviously Nona Recky now that they've got a little bit of time to plan. Um, personally, who's the guy that gets the spot in the 23? Is it going to be Martin Bogato again, who, uh, who I, we should mention missed out on a, a gimme try last week because the Capitan yeah. knocked it on? Uh, it, was, it would have been great to see him score on debut. Or uh, can we see someone like Darwai get a run? Oh, look, I, they gave Bogato the chance last weekend, so he's probably the man for me. I think he he did enough, you know, in, in small glimpses to to earn him his, that, that jersey. Um, I don't think they rushed Darwai back in. No, I agree. On to the Rebels versus the Hurricanes. So new injuries on this one. The only concern will be for Geordie Barrett for a hit pointer. He took a very big hit from Fraser McWright late in the game. He was pretty sore afterwards and limping around. But, you know, at time it can rule people out But uh, for a week or two. But, you know, he's, he's a tough bloke and I would be surpri- wouldn't be surprised if he does play. No one else really from the Rebels and no extra players coming back in that we're aware of either. So settled squads. Yeah, Harry, I think for the Rebels, they obviously had a you know some promising seven slash, you know, six, seven slash eights in their back row with Hardwick at eight, Wilkin at seven, and Josh Kemeny at six. All can cover seven, but I think they, they lacked a little bit of punch in their forwards, especially throughout that second half. Do you think it's, you know, something that was good for them to bring Pony, Hosea, Tamati Iwani off the bench. You know, it didn't really seem to give them the lift that we expected it would in that second half. Do you think they need to start one of these or a combination of these guys or or how do they get that punch in the forwards? Yeah, look, they did nothing when they came on. They really, if anything, the team went backwards, to be honest, for three established players. I think Tamati Iwani is going to have to ride the bench because he did just didn't make the impact that he needs, so I'm not convinced yet that he actually looks any fitter than last year. I thought he would have, his body would have been in better shape, to be honest. Uh, Pony and Jose, I, I could see both of them starting. I thought Sammy Talakai was exceptional in the scrum in particular, but obviously doesn't offer a lot around the park. So I think Pony, for that reason, might be getting a chance. And Trevor Jose, I mean, we expect him to be their first choice lock, and instead they've got uh, Tuiana Tualima, who's come across from the, lo- the uh, Reds originally, um, starting in there, I, I think that uh, he sh- Jose should be partnering Canon for sure. For sure, um, and I mean, how do they get the ball to Monte Uani more? That, that for me, it, it was the a big 
question mark for them last week was Monty seemed to be going looking for the ball. Like he was shifting to one wing, shifting to the other wing, literally looking for the ball, trying to find himself uh, in a position to get involved. But the ball seemed to always go the other direction. I, I don't know if it's that he hasn't been around the side long enough. He tried to insert himself with pick and goes um, and getting himself involved, which is something that we saw so much from Coran Betty. Um, why can the Rebels not find a way to get these strike weapons involved? I mean, for Monty's case, he's been with the game, the team for one game. So I, I actually thought that he made his, himself very, very available. So I would like to think that that will get better and better. If I was him, I'd just be hanging on Carter Gordon's hip every single training session and make sure he's the main man for me. Stacey Ely, I, I don't, he played at 12, but I don't really remember seeing him in the entire game. So obviously it's not trying to partner up with Stacey Ely, to be honest. And Reese Hodge is probably that one of the hard line punches that they probably need out a bit wider so yeah look I, I think he's just got to stay on Carter Gordon's hip look for that inside ball uh Monty's got a has got some very good feet so I think that that's an opportunity for him and then other than that they just need to understand how to actually if they do get some front foot forward ball which to be honest I don't think it's going to happen often this week then uh give Monty the ball in some time and space yeah give him the ball that's it um the the other question for me is they do have some young players that can be some strike weapons for them do we see someone like Glenn Vire who get a bit of a run at 12 if we see Illy stay quiet like he did last week? Uh, yeah, look, I've got no problem with them rotating around. And they just had a pick and stick. Man. They, they, they struggle so much in terms of their cohesion in the squad. Uh, obviously, Nick Euster is uh, is new, a new man in there as well. Lockie Anderson missed all last year. It's just a lucky dip, to be honest with you. I, I think James Tuttle probably starts at nine when Lawrence didn't probably have as much impact as they would have liked but whoever they started inside center if it's not Ely he's going to be doing it all year so Glenvay I'm not sure we've actually seen him play enough at center to, to put him into that position just yet but um I, I wouldn't wouldn't be upset to say it to be honest if we push to the hurricane side I think I thought Peter Lackey and for that matter Flanders was pretty quiet. They probably didn't have the impact that they wanted. And, you know, we joked about Karifi being immediately yellow-carded. But uh, the Hurricanes scored two tries when they're down a man, so maybe it was a tactic. Um, I expect Karifi to start this week, particularly with the way that the Rebels attack the breakdown with Hardwick and Wilkin. I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think he has to be involved, just his ability to disrupt that that breakdown. The other one for me is Ken Roygaard. He, he is a promising player. Um, but he was very quiet. Jamie Booth really picked up the pace when he came on. Um, so we we thought he should be a starter, at least early on in the season. Yes, Rory Gard has, you know, a, a big future ahead of him. But I think Jamie Booth should really be starting in that nine jersey for them after last week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I just thought as well, probably worth mentioning, Adam Morgan's probably got one more week with a jersey as he is at number 10. Ruben Love and Brett Cameron both looking back uh, like they're going to be back next week. So I think it's going to be really good to see him really need to own the jersey a little bit more. I thought he looked pretty nervous and didn't have a great first outing. So we'll we'll see how we go there. But I think he needs to have a big, big game. And uh, we haven't done tips now. So let's do the Friday night tips very quickly. Crusaders versus Highlanders. Who are you gotten by how many? Crusaders by 38. Wowza, that's that's a big score. I don't think it can be that bad. I think it might be like oh. 22 points. No, 24. I'll go 24. And the other one was, of course, the Rebels versus the Hurricanes. I'm going to go first here. I'm going to give the Hurricanes a 28-point win. Yeah, that's, this is going to be tough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 
I really want the Rebels to, to pull something out. So they're going to be it, it is it is it is super round, mate. That's Melbourne home game. It's going to be a huge atmosphere for them. I think that means nothing for them. Um, <laughs> I personally, I, I think they're probably going to lose by thirty. There's going to be a shellac. <laughs> nice. All right. Very good. All right. Let's push on to Saturday's game: Moana Pacifica versus the Chefs. So new injuries. You had the front rowers Sosepo Apakatoa and Ezekiel Lindenmuth both injured during the week at training. No more details about exactly what that is yet. Itani uh, Nanai Saturo as well. He obviously did his hammy. Um, he pulled Hammy, his Hammy in the warm up or during the, I think it was on, on the day. So they pulled him quite late. So obviously yeah. watch the space there. And returning, I think Tim Arfanga Anuku missed round one due to concussion. So he's definitely in the mix for this week, you would think. Um, Nels, what do you have on for this game? Well, look, the biggest question, uh, we heard in the preseason that they want to stick and pick a bit more this season. So is, is this some, what was that? What are you rolling your eyes about? Stick and, stick and pick, eh? It's pick and stick, don't I? Uh, it doesn't matter. It's stick and pick, pick and stick. They want to do all four of those things. Um, so, yeah, well, I think this is their chance to show it. They they started last week really well. Um, so give a lot of these guys a chance to have a run around. Again, Tima Fying and Nuku, as you touched on, he might be someone we come we see come into the the starting side for me with Fomaya being Fomaya being the one that misses out. Yeah, and uh, the other one for me was uh, Jonah Ma'u had his debut last week. I know the commentators were pretty big on him. I thought he did have a few good moments, but Alamanda Matunga was obviously one of the first choice back rowers last year as well. He was coming back from injury via the bench, so I think he's a good chance to actually push for some game time there as well. Um, and then finally for me, I think just the uh, the absolute punch needed is going to come from uh, Levi Amor and Tavatavanaya. Um, they, they just have so much impact and, you know, their first two tries where they just, just each of them in, uh, in runs individually decided that the whole team wouldn't be allowed to bring them down. They just keep their leg drive and take an extra 15 meters. If they can do that kind of thing against the Chiefs, it's going to give them some real go forward ball and maybe a shot. Someone's going to uh, t- test the waters that they're drinking because something's not right there. Those two men are machines, but yeah, it's that transition of how do they take that dominant tight intact from those two players just shrugging people off. And then how do they transition into, you know, attacking kind of looser play off the back of that? Because they definitely add the punch more so than potentially almost anyone in this competition. But it's that transition into, uh, you know, directing the players around and scoring off the back of each of those opportunities. Um, Tomatini is coming back potentially, or he's not far off. No, he's not injured. Or I was going to say, is he? He's an option there. Where, where are you getting any of this? He's got a hamstring injury from the last trial, and I think he's out for a little while. Okay, I, you don't have any timeline, so my question. Yeah, I, I, did, I just uh, when I originally read it, I think the page that I linked said that he was out for a while. Like it sounded like it was a relatively bad hammy injury, so I think we'll see an get a few more goes. Yeah, I was going to say, will he? The question here is, will he be fit, or do we see an step up? Hopefully, it's an stepping up then. Man, the, the other one I have is Ray Nuia. Uh, he's out with a neck injury. I hope that's just neck tightness. So hopefully we get to see him come back through. But, you know, it's one of those teams that's very hard to pick sometimes on what they're going to do. For the Chiefs, we're saying that we're tipping a Poihibi to start at outside centre um, off the, you know, the injury to to ALB. Uh, so Nankavel shifting into 12. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's um, I'd, I'd say that's bang on. I don't know why they wouldn't, why they would go with anything else. 
Um, yeah. Although the other thing is that um, Joshuana can play 12 as well, so I guess there is a chance that he could play there. But, it's you know, I, I think that they should put Pohipi at 13, shoot it to wing, maybe bench Alamalo just to take some pressure off him, DMAC to 15 and Josh to 10. So just change the whole back line after the win, basically. We all know you want, all know you want Josh Juani. Look, I, I, in all <laughs> honesty, Shooter did very, very well at fullback. Um, so I'd probably be sticking with him on the at fullback. But, yes, I do think Poi Hippie and Nankable, that's a pretty solid centre partnership as well. So I'd like to see that. And uh, the other one for me was George Dyer. I'm just not convinced he'll continue to start over John Ryan, obviously the experienced man. John Ryan maybe has 40 minutes in him at his age coming across from a competition that is not super rugby. But it uh, wouldn't surprise me if those guys kind of at least share game time. I don't know who starts and who doesn't, but I would have thought John Ryan would be your uh, your kind of rock-solid defender, scrummager, and then George Dyer comes on the second half. So you might see a little bit of a change there. Um, but mind you, I've got to say that uh, they're an impressive scrum regardless. Yeah, definitely. How do you see this this one going? Uh, it's going to be the Chiefs. They're, they're in red-hot form in that first week. And Moana, you know, that they, they were impressive. I thought they were a lot better than expected. But uh, for me, I'm going to go the Chefs by... Probably about 10 points, 12 points. Caught 12. Okay, very close to what I was thinking. I'm going to say 14 points. Very good. The Andrua versus the Waratahs. Now, uh, they, this is the round one fixture last year, round two this year. So, they, again, they get to meet each other early in the season. No injuries on the draw front that we're aware of, but Angus Bell, as we said, is gone for the season with a big toe injury. Uh, returning, there's just maybes everywhere, not a lot of clarity from either team, but Meli Derenalangi um, has been coming back from an ACL injury. Uh, Vili Ver, Mira Mira and uh, Meli Tuni, obviously both uh, missing in the first week, both chances as well. I don't think Meli Tuni will really push the, the top front row, but Vili Ver, uh, Mira Mira may well find himself in the number seven jersey as well. So they're all chances, but not a lot of clarity. They did say a week ago that they're back, whatever that means. Yeah, what about um, Vota? Yeah, just nothing. I, we've heard absolutely nothing on Vota, so I hope so. But uh, I know, I know you're uh, you're enjoying Yosefo uh, Masi playing there as well. So we uh, we wait and see, and it's I guess it's the mysteries. It's like when we had the Sunwolves, we just don't hear anything from them. Yeah, um, the big question I think for the Drew is, do they stick with Teti Teller at uh, at fly half Harry after that performance, or do they give months a chance there right now? Yeah, you sack Teddy Teller, mate. You can't play that bad and then uh, and then not get dropped. So Caleb Munt's one hundred percent. But I will just say um, before we push on to any more of that, finishing off with the Tars for the ones that are maybe returning as well. Ned Hannigan, they think is uh, in their, their about all these guys thereabouts, I should say, but coming back for his MCL injury, Joey Walton from his back operation, Tian Takapulu adding some depth, hopefully, from his knee injury at prop, and Dylan, Dylan Peach as well is very, very close for his quad tear. Yeah, so what do you do? Yeah, we sack, we sack Teddy Taylor, Rion Caleb, Munts, um, the other questions we've already touched on, we don't know where Votter is. So I think we've got to stick with Marcy then in the outside centre. Um, if Votter comes back, Harry, did Marcy do enough that you shift him to a wing or do we see him drop down into the bench? 
Oh, man, I would, I would 100% start him. I thought his form was fantastic. I, I don't know if he's actually been training for before them in the uh, outside back, so I guess it depends how much they've been moving him around in the preseason. If he's, you know, Vodder's been gone all preseason, then it would make sense that he hasn't had the opportunity out there to get comfortable. But uh, as I said before, I thought Ravid Amata was excellent, so maybe Samasomul Vodre is the only chance that he could have out on the left wing. And also um, we had a late... Uh, signing for them, the sledgehammer, uh, Aroni Sal. He's uh, he's come into the squad. He hasn't been there long as well, but he could be someone we see pop up in coming weeks. Just an aggressive defender, but they do have you know some options there, especially in the outside backs. Yeah, I think uh, he played for them in the NRC, is that right, before he left? And he's been playing second division over in France, I think it was. Um, he's maybe just been hitting people really, really hard. So the sledgehammer is a good name for him, but that's probably it's, it's a great nickname. But that's if if he wasn't called the sledgehammer, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have mentioned him on the podcast. He was he, look, he was very good in the NRC, but before leaving, and he actually had a break. Bit of a different, he, bit of a different kind of competition, yeah, though, isn't it? He's, he's been doing well overseas, but yeah, he's he's a name that we might see pop up. But there is a lot of talent in those outside backs. Um, what, about, uh, what do you think of Ilyasa Drosese? Um, I thought he struggled to impose himself. He looked very, very big. But can we – I just wanted to start the chant now. How, how loud can we cheer for Kirioni Talinga to get him back at fullback? Yeah, look, Drosese, uh, we were kind of looking closely during the trials and stuff. I don't think he found a way to insert himself into this game very well and, and really wasn't solid in, in defence. So I think he'll probably get another shot there. I, I think maybe they, they do need to pick and stick a little bit, but um, he needs to really step up from last week if he wants to stay. And uh, the Tars, we've got some problems in the front row. First of all, my comment here, my first point is who the F starts at loose head? Maybe not this week, but maybe Harry Johnson home is going to have to become a loose head again this year. Uh, what do you think? Look, I think Lambert did really well around the paddock, but um, I think you touched on it. wasn't very solid necessarily in the set piece. Holtz struggling a little bit as well. So it just depends on, you know, who they, they get more out of from those two on the field. To me, it actually looked like it was Lambert uh, last weekend. So if he does that again, you know, in the next week or two before HJH comes back, I'd be seeing HJH fill that tight head role, both quite mobile around the paddock, which is something that suits the Waratahs. As well, mind you, I have like Holtz, uh, you know, during last season as well. So yeah, I was excited to see him, but he came off at halftime for Faulkner. I think they they the writing was on the wall that they, they just weren't coping at scrum time. Um, and what about? Do you think the Tars will rotate Will Harris and Langy Gleeson, or will they continue with the Gooper tactic? Look, I, I, for me, this is a game that the Gooper tactic, and I don't like the name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Gamper, maybe Gamper is a bit better than that. Um, Gamper, yeah. Who's Gamper? Gamble Hooper, Gamper. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. better. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a Gamper. Um, I think this is a game that it suits having both of those players on the paddock at the same time. Um, you know, the Ndrua are quite a physical, fast side. Um, so you know, the him. Gamble and Hooper work really well together there. But do they want to bring in a, a slightly bigger body with Harris or Gleason? Um, it's tough to know. They, they had them both on the bench, which was, was a bit of a surprise as well. So it depends if we're going to carry two back rowers on the bench. When it didn't, didn't work very well, did it? Anyway, yeah. was that? I said it didn't work very well, did it? No. 
Um, look, I, I could also see them putting Hugh Sinclair in at lock um, just for the mobility and the work rate that he has as well. I think that uh, Tillani Sue is a big body, but I just don't think he quite had the the mobility and physicality around the park. I can see you shaking your head, but we'll push on because I'm sure you won't have anything positive to say. Um, and then I think the other thing for the Tars is really they just need to work out how to get Parisi and Fakedi into the game a little bit more. I thought Parisi looked a little bit underdone coming back from injury. So really that's massive for them. Yeah, look, I, I think the the thing was the Brumbies utilised their Wallabies very well and eased them into the game. The, the Waratahs just threw them in the deep end and, and Parisi and Nwangani Dawasi didn't have the impact that we're used to for them. They didn't seem to pass right. So if if Nwanganidawasi is on the right wing, pass the bloody ball right. Now your best wing is on the left wing with Jorgo, so who cares? But uh, uh, so that was another thing. This this week does Jorgensen uh, deal very well with the likes of Rotomanda, um, or do we see Peach come straight back in? I think Peach is the the choice there. So do I. <laughs> Physical strong man. And, it's uh, hard to drop a man after his man of the match, so I just don't think you should ever do it. I think he, he's got to you got to earn the right and. He's man of the match, mate. Give him an opportunity. You got you to ease the man into his career. I don't think you need to throw him in the deep end. He's had a success game one. Doesn't mean you need to wait for him to fail miserably before you move him to the bench. He's a man who should be on the bench with very good wingers. So I think you can ease him in and by giving him a crack off the bench again this week. But Peach and Nwanganidawasi should be the starting wingers. With the Waratahs have bulked up. The draw are going to make them run for 80 minutes straight. How's this one going to go? Jeez, oh, uh, I'm going to say the Tars because I really want the Tars to win. But, you know, you, you summed that up pretty well. The, the Waratahs bulking up is probably not the ideal thing for them in this matchup. So they're going to have to be very physical in D um, and working and communicating very, very well between each other. Um, and I think the centres is where that, that control will come from for, for them, plus their, their double uh, open side flanker kind of role. So I'm going to say the Tars will get a win here, but I think it'll be tight. They'll win by five. Yeah, like I, I do think it will be tight as well, particularly with I, I think the Indrua could be dominant in the set piece, which is pretty freaking scary. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say the Tars by two points. They'll scrape home and the Indrua will really push them. On to Sunday's games, we got Blues versus the Brumbry. Brumbies, probably the pick of the bunch for this week. New injuries, you've got Akira Ioane, should be out with a knee injury. Um, Lockie Lonigan missed the week with illness, so we expect he might be back. And Connell McInerney got concussed in about two minutes in this match as well, so obviously unlikely to get a run considering that. And also returning, you have Tommy Robinson and Alex Hodgman both missed round one with illness, so you think they're both a, sh- a decent shot. Yeah, look, the question for us, if Hodgman is back, um, or Harry, you, you've highlighted something here. The Brumbies are looking for revenge after the controversial semi-final loss. Yes, it was controversial. Yes, I believe the Brumbies deserve the win. But we won't t- go into too much depth there. Um, if Hodgman's back, where do we see Offer played? Does Offer shift to the tight head? Do we see him tight head, loose head? Where, where do we see him, Harry? And who I, Personally, I think when you look at the rest of the bench, they've got the next choice loose head. If he if he shifted back across, he's Josh Fusitua, who was on the bench last week. And uh, the second choice tight head is Marcelo Renata. So I, I think Marcelo Renata, obviously the more established player there, I think it makes the most sense to play Offer and Hodgman at loose head. So I think yeah. that's what will probably happen. Yeah, it's fair. And big source, you know, he had a breakout season a few years ago, Robinson. Um, do we see him come straight back in and, and start and replace 
Sewer Fowler, um, or do we see someone like James Tucker get a crack as, as well in yeah. the locks? And the actual lock is a dying breed in Super Rugby. Big Source, Cameron Salfoa, both loose forwards. So a Salfoa playing six and eight, of course, for uh, the NRC all the way through. I think it was in North Harbour. And then Biggie, Biggie, Biggie Source, I don't know how I always become Biggie Smalls. Biggie Source. Um, Biggie Source, yeah, Biggie Source, mate. Come on, you, you knew that. Um, he uh, He's obviously very similar. I, I expect, I, I didn't think Salfoa had, played that well obviously yellow card and maybe not entirely his fault um but just not not that impactful so i think big source straight in to start i, I agree on I the think bench i'd leave tucker on the bench as well the super rugby is a fast game at the moment I, I think that's the right call robinson to come in um how do we get clark more involved or do we just not need to when Thalia is playing like he plays you don't need to, mate. To, the stats, the stats say 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 what they need to say, right? Like, you, I guess you got to watch who the uh, the competition is up against. Um, Corey Tool versus Mark Talea or Andy Muirhead versus Caleb Clark. Either way, mate, he's a big man, big powerful fast man versus small. You know, I, I would say brave men, but geez, that's two scary, scary matchups. I was going to say, do we push? Um, Tom Wright to a wing. Not that he's that good at defence, but he's a bit bigger body. And then maybe you can do someone like a Debrasini at fullback if you want to shift Lolasio into to ten. I don't think maybe. Tom Wright's that much bigger, mate. I don't think that makes any difference whatsoever. You can look it up. But look, the only other thing is, we, you know, there was some real pra- uh, praise for Bodie Barrett last week. I thought he was solid, kicked well, played his role, but I don't think he offered the same dynamic attack that we know from Bodie when he's at his best. I, I don't like Bodie completely underplaying his hand. I think he needs to be a threat himself. So probably just needs to run a little bit more would be my only two cents as well. And I think you agree. Yeah, yeah no, I think it was. I think he was good, but he didn't need to overplay his hand in that match. Um, so well, we yeah, did. he clearly didn't. They put sixty points on him, <laughs> so you can't be too critical, can you? No, he didn't. He didn't need to. So, but the, he is at his best, and the Blues are at his best when he is taking the ball to the line. And this defensive line for the Brumbies, um, maybe I may ask a few more questions. Uh, so he might need to be a bit more of a threat ball in hand, which we all know he can be. Um, I, just, I just want to touch on um, the massive Tom Wright. At 186 centimetres, he is a big boy. 98 kilos. He, he might just flatten Caleb Clark. Let's, let's compare him to the 183 centimetre, 84 kilo Muirhead or Tommy. 178 centimetres for Corey yeah. Tool, 85 kilos. So eighty. So I'm 100 right. Tom Wright is much bigger. Oh he's mate, they're all tiny. It makes no difference. And if you put Debrasini in fullback to try and chase those two down, he's just going to get run around. So it makes no difference. Oh, whatever. They might run over him too. Can't nah, they? mate. The only way that the Blues can win this game, can Brumbies can win this game with the form that the Blues were in last week, is they have to have some intense line speed. Bodie Barrett's Achilles heel and never, ever let the ball get to Mark Delayer or Caleb Clark. There is two words that can win this for the Brumbies, and that is Ikatel, Valentini. They're the two words that can win this. Maybe Samu. We can throw Samu in there as well. But, geez, this is going to be very, very tough, and these top players for the Brumbies are going to have to be on the ball, that's for sure. Um, early signs is that Frost is their number one lock. Um, we had Swain on the bench last week. We had um, your mate, Caterin Harry, Caterin Neville. 
Uh, starting to be correctly pronounced. Yeah, to see stay stay there. Do we see Swain come in and be a little bit aggressive and take you know the defensive line up to the Blues a little bit more this week? Uh, look, I, I think they'll probably stay the same as what they had last week. I think that's probably their top choices at the moment. Um, but speaking of changes, obviously the Brumbies played a lot of experience on the bench last week. They had Slipper, White, Lalesio in particular all coming off the bench. I suspect they'll start this week now that they've been eased into Super Rugby. Um, and, you know, they, they're going to trust the backup guys to to uh, bring it home as well, to be fair. But Slipper's going to be needed to uh, to try and... To try and match up against Nepo Laulala, I was obviously a big fan of Shoppy getting his first start at Loosehead, and I thought he had an exceptional game. But Nepo Laulala is a big, big ask for a young prop. So slips to start all day, every day to start with, and that way Shoppy can have the weaker shoulders of Renata or something like that in the back end. Um, and then I think the other one for me was Rory Scott. I thought. Didn't have a fantastic game. I think Luke Reimer has gone from strength to strength every time he's played for the Brumbies. So I'd probably start Reimer as well. Yeah, it's a bit disappointing from Scott. Uh, Reimer had, you know, had some positive uh, matches throughout the last couple of years, so it's not a bad thing to give him a shot. Um, don't forget, we've also got the ability to shift Samu into seven at, at chances and, and bring someone else into the back row as well. But, yeah, I think Reimer hopefully is, is quite a physical back rower for them as well. Uh, yeah, so my, my worry is that they don't really have a ready-made solution. Maybe Jerome Brown could could partner. Pete Samu is probably the next best. Otherwise, you're looking, you know, you're down to Ed Kennedy, Charlie Kale. Like, there's not really established options there. Brown's, Brown's not a bad shout. But, yeah, there's there's a bit of competition for, you know, that, that third back row spot for the Brumbies. And I think if you're not being successful, you know, do they pick and stick or do we actually see some rotation there? And, I mean, in the past, they've... You know they've rewarded form, and and there's no form there at the moment. Well, they could lo- they could they could go for Tom Hooper starting, couldn't they? All right, what's your tip? Come on, biggest game of the week. How's it going to go? Blues are going to get the win, um, unfortunately, uh, and they're going to win by six. It's going to be relatively close. You're you're an absolute piece of work. Um, I think it's going to go the other way. I think the Blues are better than last year. As I said in the preseason, I think the Brums are not as good. Although they did it, they did really, uh, really prove me wrong against the Tars last week. But I think the Blues are going to get it done by about ten. So four points different. You're just going to go the other way, and you give them four points different. Completely <laughs> different. Ten point win. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the final game of the week, and that's Force versus the Reds. Uh, the injury front for the Force Flower Fainga, he's Achilles. Tendon issue. Harry, how long do we think he's going to be out for? Do we have any confirmation? Yeah, well, let me go through all these guys in one because it, it's probably my first big point. Falafa Inga and Manasa Mataeli both pulled during the week because they have Achilles tendon issues. So I don't believe there's no suggestion that they've ruptured their Achilles, which means they're probably overload issues. They're probably Achilles tendinopathies, which means that they've been flogged for running. Then you had Felidi Kaitu'u and Sam Spink both pull their hanny in the first game of the year. Michael Wells with a little ankle injury, he'll play. But the first four, to lose four guys in a game to what looks like overload injuries or definitely that been a big component of it, I've got some real worries about how hard the force were pushing late in their preseason because that's not a very good sign. Uh, look, it, it, on that as load management, I think they're, they're not 
massively likely for this week for Matelia and Fengar, and obviously the other two almost no chance with acute hammy tears. But um, yeah, it's a worry for me. They've got their planning wrong. If 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 I had to guess, yeah, it's it's definitely a big concern. There was no uh, new injuries to Reds players, but we might have some returning players with James O'Connor from his ankle, Luke Jones. Much needed person in the lock from his neck injury. Liam Wright from his concussion, we're hoping will be back. And Jock Campbell also from his ankle. That is a lot coming in from the Reds that was lacking some guidance, uh, I think, potentially last week. So I, I think there's some big in big ins for them. For the force, um, yeah, I, I think that's that's seriously concerning. Do we see them keep dropping like flies? Please, I hope not. But the big thing for me, really, for the force was the only question that Thrush is the answer to is what do you call Candida fungal infection of the vagina? He is not the man for them. He should not be the solution. It is very concerning that they're saying he is the saviour of the season and that they're wanting to sign him on for the rest of the year. I like Thrush. Yes, I know he's he's been there for a while. Harry, <laughs> you're pulling some weird faces. But... He is really not the man for them in the future. And there's a real concern about the depth of the locks. Surely someone else is there that they can bring in. You know, hopefully, you know, we've got McCauley out. We've got Rodder out. Where's Will Sankey? I don't care who it is. Get someone in the locks. Or maybe we see Pew get in there. I know he has played lock in the past. He's not a big man, but he can definitely fill that void. We don't need a 37-year-old, you know, being someone that they're expecting to rely on week in, week out. Yeah, I mean, and there's, there's chat that he might even be starting next week. Like, that, that's that's the takeaway. He scored that try. Good on him. Like, love the story. Absolutely brilliant from him. Second only to Johnny uh, Ulungia, who uh, who was just amazing coming back, playing 75 minutes for the Brums. But uh, I, I just don't see it. I think it's... I think it's uh, digging the bottom of the barrel, scraping the bottom of the barrel, to be honest, uh, against any solid team. But mind you, the opposition, the the uh, other options right now are players like Kalapu, who are just very young, very inexperienced as well. So I, I think uh, they need to find a solution fast. If, if it's me, I'm buying a player. I'm looking everywhere and I'm buying a new player as an injury replacement that's in his late 20s, experienced, maybe like, a, I don't know, Rory Arnold, if you've got the budget, come on. Dig up the millions, boys. Yeah. But uh, I don't. I don't think there is another option. To be honest with you, I, th- I think there's big, big question marks there. And um, on the flip side, talking of age players, I thought Tony Pooler looked good coming off the bench, and uh, his partner in the outside back. Sorry, being elevated from the bench, I should say, Zach Kibberidji. Uh I like the I like the cut of his jib. I thought he looked pretty good. The ex wasp player. He looked exactly like Pulu, i got to say. But maybe that's why uh, we thought Pulu looked good as well because every time they ran, we just assumed it was him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, he, he needs to find a way to get himself involved a little bit more for sure. Um, the, the other question with Spink out, um, who do we see? Two in the pink, one in the stink. Um, anyone, is- anyone but Pool Boy. That's my call. Anyone but Pool Boy. Pool Boy, yes. Uh, poor boy was very, very tall, very, very skinny. That's everything I can tell you about him from the weekend. Uh, I personally probably would put Hunsel at 13. He is physical. He's a smart player um, and give him a chance to play there. But it, there's something missing for me, you know, in that centre combination and that, that 10, 12, 13 combination. 
Uh, they're all they're all tens, mate. That's the problem. You got three tens. Had Spink and, and he's gone. So maybe they bring Matteelli, the other Matteelli, in and just get him involved. Geez, please get him involved. Yeah, or, or maybe you could put like Chase in there and bring Jake Strawn back at fullback. Wouldn't mind well, I'm, that. Well, potentially play there as well, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, they're, they're again they've they've got to go searching to find the answers to this. It's scary to have two big questions, positional questions in week two. Um, on the flip side, you got the Reds. As we said, we've got a few guys coming back. Liam Wright, I, I suspect he has to come back via the bench. I know he's a co-captain, but Sarah Uru was excellent, and I think Luke Jones will be pushed to lock. I, I would say pretty quickly. I thought they were pretty. Uh, uh, let's be honest, I thought they were very, very poor in the locks for the Reds. So I think both, uh, you know, Luke Jones straight in. Um, there's also talk of James O'Connor not playing at 10. So, you know, they said there's three other options or three reasons why they might change him. Where would you play him? 12, 15? You're not putting him at 15, but I've been great. I don't think you put him at 12 because you've got three good options at centre. Is there another position you would play him? No, you, you play him at 10. And yeah, you 100%. Have- you have Lina come off the bench. Look, uh, the, the thought process there is obviously if you put him at 12, you shift Hunter out and you're developing Lina. But then we're hurting the likes of Henry, you know, in the centres or potentially Fluke in the centres if we have someone like Vunabalu coming back in. Like, it doesn't make sense for me, you know, like shifting Jock around as much as you, you like to, to help whoever it was best the week before doesn't make any sense. Um, he's got to be the 10 for them and he's got to be the guy that steers the ship if they want to have a successful year. And I think Liner showed that he needs time. He, he needs to be given some time in the back end of matches. So, you know, maybe it's the last 10, 15, they can shift Jock around and see how it goes, but it is it's, not the start. It's just very hard carrying a, a specialist 10 on your bench, but I guess Jock's flexibility, Jimmy O'Connor's flexibility does help. Um, You've got to to remember as well, they might have Jock Campbell pushing back into the outside backs as well. So there's some real depth in the outside backs. I I think in the end, Josh Fluke probably ends up on the bench, um, which means that they can put one of uh, Jordi Pattaya, who I I believe should probably start at fullback. I thought he was fantastic. And Jock Campbell on the wing, but mind you, I've never seen Campbell have a good game on the wing. So lots of questions there, but... uh, that brings us to the tip, Nels. Who are you going for and why? Reds, things are going to come together better for them. Reds are going to win this by 12. I think, seriously, I'm I'm very, very nervous about some of the questions. If Matteelli is there, different. But uh, without Matteelli, I think it's 12 points. If Matteelli no, is I there. I hope Matteelli is there. Matteelli is there. Put me down as a draw. It's going to be it's going to be hard to go either way. He's worth two tries, but out wide, so they only keep one of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I, I like it. I think it'll be closer. I think the Reds are going to be really, I don't know, I think they're confident to be knocked around, but mind you, they, they're confident against Aussie teams. So, yeah, I'll look, I'm, I I will pick the Reds as well, but probably tighter, I'd say, by six points. And is that with Thrush in the locks? I mean, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, what comes after the main course, Nels? Uh, as Kagi would say, the d- 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 deserto. Deserto. Well done. I really thought that you'd try and skip over that. Um, so, Nelsie, you go. Here's my first question for DD Dessert. That is, who will be the big movers of 2023? We've now got a bit of an inkling to the form of some of the players. 
Who are you picking? Who are the guys that are going to really establish a name for themselves this year? Uh, look, in Aussie rugby, I'm going to say uh, a few of these young guys, the guys that really stepped up in week one. Jorgensen, no one expected him to throw his name onto the you know the headlines this early on in the season. Um, I think he will bide his time, get chances, but he'll be on the bench. He'll be a good one. Corey no, no, come on. Who is going to really be a big mover, mate? Not who's going to all of a sudden get a bit of time off the bench. Who's a big mover? Say, come on. I was about to say, Corey Tool, there is no reason that man shouldn't be starting. Yeah, so, he's a big yeah. one for me. Yeah, he's, I, he's the big one. I think Shooter Stevenson's the other one. Another big season. He was great last year. He's been getting better every single year. I think he's a huge mover this year. Should be in and around the All Blacks squad with the form that he's been showing over the next couple of years. So he's huge for me. Um, anyone else? Uh, Marcy. Yes, Again, you, so you don't you don't, you don't reckon that there's any worry about Vota coming back and him just being benched and playing more sevens? There is, um, but there's to me there's a there's a clear wing spot that's available. So I, I think ESF Amasi sevens background really really physical. It's a role that they lost, you know, throughout the year with Mbossi, uh leaving. So I, I think there's a place for him in the side no matter what. And he was very physical, very good in attack, and I think he could find himself in, you know, the Fijian jersey by the end of the year for the World Cup. I've got one more. I'm going to say Asafa Amua. It's finally the year that he puts Dane Coles to bed. I think yes. he has to get 60 minutes a game in the next few weeks because he's way too good to keep taking off the park for 40 minutes. It makes no sense. Dane Coles is losing more and more pace. He's more of a grub than a dynamic player these days. Fantastic player in his own right. I'm not knocking him. He has had an exceptional career. But Asafa Amoa, it's his time, mate. He should be the third All Blacks hooker, and he needs to be playing huge minutes. Yep, I agree. Do you have any any big negative movers that have gone downhill this year, Harry? That's that's rough, but I don't want to talk about that. Some of the hookers, you Alessi, I think will keep sliding. Man, I think he's got too much competition, so I'm a bit worried about his form. Um, Alex Murphy's probably another big mover for me. I think he looked good round one and will continue to. Um, so yeah, probably Alessi is the one that's going to find it the toughest. What about you? Uh, I wouldn't talk shit about any players, so. I'm <laughs> You're a real piece of work, mate. All right, look, on that note, any grievances to air? Um, I've got one uh, just purely come up right now. <laughs> I'd say Kagi not being here, you know, for week one is a grievance, but it's probably a good thing for all the listeners, um, and it was probably a potentially a good thing for us. So my, my grievance is him just not pulling his weight, writing some notes. That would be helpful. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we could say that every week. Um, my one was uh, on Twitter. I, I put up something about uh, GPT chat, um, chat GPT, about how to grow the audience in Australia. And somehow it got turned into two blokes uh, who I won't name having a long-winded conversation between themselves about how Australia needs to leave, leave Super Rugby, create their own competition go back into the NRC and really double down to make sure we always have winners and how good were the ratings when we played Super Rugby AU. Can these guys just not understand that we've just signed a long-term contract to make this competition great? Like, it's not going to happen. I, I don't understand the point of the conversation. I completely understood the point of the conversation in the last couple of years while we're trying to work out what format worked. 
But we are now at the point where this is the format of the competition. I think yeah. it's been well established that, yes, Australia needs to win more games, but here we are. We need to make the best of it. We probably need to move on with these conversations. Well, I, I appreciate what they're saying. I think the only way you can do it is an NRC, but it's not separate. It's not this different part of the majority of the season. You know, NRC or something can be a separate part um, where we're getting the players that aren't in the Aussie squad or even a show and A squad getting some more game time together. That's it. Yeah, and uh, the uh, fantasy report, man. I know you wanted to quickly quickly touch on this one, OG League. Yeah, OG League. As a, as I touched on before, we we had a very hard fought uh, battle. We're very good scores from both us. Um, but I, I took out the win, making it five on the trot. In terms of other battles, we had the uh, the Nabung Nubung. You know the uh, who was the the worst brother, the other brother battle, and. Uh, Chrissy Newbum had some brilliant scores and he got another win there again. Yeah, he's, he's never lost. I think he's, he's he's beaten his brother since the dawn of time. Yeah. So, yeah. Harry, how do you feel with a, a loss in round one? Uh, look, I think if, if you take Will Jordan and Mattel out of my team, it's always going to be tough. I think you've, uh, I think the technical podcast terminology is you've been kissed on the dick by a fairy. By having Yosefa Marcy on your bench and uh, having Jan and Arecki pulled from the side, so he oh, scored his couple of tries. But mate, congratulations! Yeah. I, uh, I'm not a bitter one. I'd like you to are. congratulate you Good because luck. it's been a long time since you've been above me on the table. So congratulations! Uh, most of last year into the back end, but um, yeah, I, I think one thing is did I win not last year? Yeah, you did, and I was winning most of the season. Um, so then what the one thing that I think I've actually learned from you is you said you just don't pick injured guys and carry him. And yeah. I mean this year you went first pick, I'm gonna pick an injured guy and carry him. So you know Will Jordan, yeah. I mean that's that's what happens eighth pick though. You gotta you gotta take a few risks. But I get it. that's probably enough that's probably enough fantasy footy chat, I would think. I think your mic's starting to drop out as well, to be honest, which is probably for the best. Um all right. Well, thank you for sticking through us, sticking with us through to this point, rather, uh, despite the the uh, stuff up there, please like, subscribe, five stars, look past those little mistakes. Get on YouTube. You can watch us there as well. And uh, if you don't want Kagi back, just let us know. Just uh, comment, write it somewhere. If you Actually, you know what? We'll assume you don't want him back. If you do want him back, make sure you let us know. How do you dog for me? <laughs>